Our Father, we are humbled every time, every time we come before you and consider the sheer magnitude of your outpoured blessing upon us under grace and the unlimited wealth of that is uh, it's not just astounding to us but it's so encouraging and to know that therefore we are right in the very center of your work today uh, it's so easy for us to think as it's always been the case for your people to think that somehow they're small insignificant they're so few compared to all those that have uh, rebelled and continue to rebel against you, Father. But uh, uh, as they learned and uh, as we are learning, we're right in the very center of your work. And uh, that's always been true in every dispensational circumstance here on this earth. Uh, even when uh, Israel was cast aside, you were still working with the elect. And there's always been an elect remnant, Father, and so we're thankful for that. Um, so, Father, uh, we're thankful for all things, and, uh, and we commit each one here and all those that may listen to this at another time to you and to the word of your grace, which is able to build us all up and to give us, of course, that inheritance which you have uh, <clears throat> promised to everyone that would trust in you. In these times, <clears throat> Father, um, our nation is in a state of, of um, rebellion and has been for so long. Indeed, Father, we'd like to think that our nation is a, is a Christian nation, but of course that's never really been strictly true. But there have been many in the nation who have believed, Father, and you've used this nation greatly, and we're so thankful for that. And uh, we, we know that you're still using us, Father, uh, here uh, in this land. And most of the missionaries over the centuries, uh, since the Reformation at least, have uh, gone forth from here around the world. <clears throat> Father, we're thankful that you're raising up those uh, elsewhere, though, now in great, great numbers to go forth and to minister your grace uh, in uh, other parts of the world. Father, uh, please protect our, our, uh, our leaders, especially, especially, of course, those that would dare to stand for truth and justice and, and that which is right for our nation and for our people. We pray for our president, Father, that you keep him safe and encourage him along with all those that advise him and support him and, and work to make uh, a difference uh, of the right kind. Father, that this culture of death might be set aside permanently and a culture of life be brought in into this land uh, that is our deepest desire father father on every level of government we need leaders that, that will stand for truth uh, whatever the consequence and so uh, sometimes we're discouraged father we're, we're, we're just not uh, aware of your work there in in our governmental environment, but uh, especially in certain places in the land here. But, uh, Father, we just commit uh, many to you that they would be raised up, that they'd be encouraged, and that they would go forth to, to do a work that truly does have uh, enduring uh, 
positive consequences for our land and people, and that the evil one, that the evil one, Father, would be uh, uh, set aside in his attempted uh, destructive efforts. And please bless us now as we open your word. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Uh, well, as you know, uh, we have left behind the series of studies on the mystery revealed to Paul, the, the, the sacred secret revealing the working of God under grace uh, and its fullness. And uh, as he wrote there very powerfully in Romans 11, and I do hope all of you have taken time apart from our meetings here to, to study that section of scripture. But as Paul revealed there, uh, the mystery uh of Israel's blindness was revealed to him. And what that really means is that God told him exactly why uh, Israel was being blinded for a time. And it was for the, for a great purpose regarding the Gentiles. In other words, for us, for us, uh, for the body of Christ to be formed and uh, for it to have its ministry amongst the Gentiles uh, in an amazing way. And that's what's, been going on now uh, something a little less than than 2,000 years. But as Paul writes in Romans 11, verses 25 and 26, uh, that Israel will again be a focus of God's work. And that will begin, though, only after the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, as he writes there in that verse. Romans 11:25. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And then all Israel shall be saved. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to take much more time now to review. We'd just like to get on with our lesson today. But uh, uh, this is such an important truth. God will refocus on Israel. And the end result of that focus, first the seven-year tribulation period and then the 1,000-year millennial kingdom, the focus there will be on Israel's great blessing, but only after that period of suffering. And so there's this fundamental principle revealed here, which is that first there's suffering and then there's glory, right? First there's suffering and then there's glory. And uh that's uh, going to be demonstrated so clearly once the church, the body of Christ, has been lifted up, taken out, gathered out of this world, and taken to meet our Lord Jesus in the air, and all those that have gone before uh, will be resurrected, of course, at that time, and and uh, gathered together with us, all those members of the body of Christ that have gone before to be with the Lord. And we'll all then together... Uh, be taken into heaven to receive the fullness of our inheritance. So that is uh, something that must happen before God refocuses on Israel, according to these verses. Now, of course, there are many that don't take Scripture literally, and therefore, uh, since they don't take Scripture literally, they're, they're, they're not learning how to, as Paul says, rightly divide 
the word of truth. Therefore, they don't get truth at the end, uh, except in a limited way. Some truth uh, is there to be understood even if one does not rightly divide, of course, right? Uh, that would be mainly uh, historical truth about Israel, but also some truth regarding the redemption of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, so what he does, though, is make it clear that uh, the church, the body of Christ, will need to be uh Finished, in a sense, completed. He says, uh, the fullness of the Gentiles will need to come in, and then all Israel will be saved. So the elect remnant of Israel, which will not be a small number, it'll be enough to constitute a nation, a saved nation, which will then be taken directly into the millennial kingdom when Christ returns to this earth and defeats Satan temporarily, puts him in bondage, and the kingdom begins without Satan's influence. Satan and the demons will all be bound during that 1,000 years and only released at the very end when they'll wage a great warfare against God again, and then their final judgment will occur. So Israel will be saved in their appointed time. Today, I'd like to, to begin a focus uh, specifically on uh, what's called the Day of the Lord in Scripture. Uh, the Day of the Lord is a very special term, term found uh, in many, many places, and uh, it has three phases. Uh, the Day of the Lord has three phases, and we'll be looking at the first of those phases today, uh, the second next week, and then, Lord willing, uh, the final part there. So this period of time uh, is, in, is certainly a time that includes the, the entire millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year period there, but also includes the seven-year tribulation preceding the kingdom and also, of course, <laughs> That's pretty obvious, isn't it? It includes the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to establish that kingdom and to fulfill Israel's hope. Uh, so today I'd like us to look at this uh, first period, uh, the seven-year tribulation period, which is called in Scripture the time of Jacob's trouble. So phase one will be the time of Jacob's trouble. The next week we'll look at the, the return of the Lord, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to this earth, and then the final study will be on the kingdom itself, uh, the 1,000-year uh, reign of Christ upon this earth, exalting Israel over the nations, but ultimately bringing not only great salvation through Israel to its own people, but to the world. There will be saved nations, saved Gentile nations at the end of the millennial kingdom. So today, the time of jo Jacob's trouble. That's a troubling phrase, is it not? <laughs> that God had ordained such a thing uh, for Israel. Uh, but of course, it's revealed throughout the scripture 
in the Old Testament, there are many, many references to this period of time, and its purpose is ultimately positive, not negative, as this uh, terminology might indicate. Uh, time of Jacob's trouble will lead to Jacob's glory. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? <clears throat> uh, God always has a positive purpose in mind, but as I've said before, uh, it would require first the suffering and then the glory uh, would be brought forth. Okay, so one thing to take note as we just consider this from an introductory point of view is that uh, it's Israel and the, not the church, which we are now focused on. The church is no longer present on the earth at this time. It's been raptured, uh, caught up into heaven's glory, and um, therefore the tribulation period begins with no, no believers on the face of this earth. Uh, they will need to be saved for there to be any ministry at all there. Of course, the Holy Spirit will be very actively doing just that. And uh, we're not going to look at this in great detail. We've already looked at it here in our studies in the long war against God, especially focused on Daniel's prophecies, you'll remember, and also on uh, in the book of Re Revelation. Uh, Today, what I want to do is simply look at this as uh, the suffering that precedes the glory for Israel, right? And uh, the language used is very significant and unique. Uh, 29 times, 29 times uh, in the uh, Old Testament, uh, the, um, the expression, the day of the Lord is found, actually there are a few times in the New Testament, but altogether 29 times. The day of the Lord is specifically referred to, uh, and 79 times, 79 times, uh, it's referred to in slightly different language as that day or the day or the great day. 79 times. That's a very major focus in scripture indeed, right? Another word used that has a very significant and special purpose uh, here in reference to Israel uh, is the word tribulation. That word is also used in other ways in Scripture <clears throat> uh, somewhat often, but but specifically in reference to Israel, it's used five times in the book of Revelation for these times of trial that Israel will uh, go through, the times of Jacob's trouble. <laughs> Uh, so that will be a time of tribulation, even great tribulation. And uh, theologians call that time, of course, the tribulation or the great tribulation period. Um, so that's where we find ourselves today. Now, I've indicated in our, in our introduction here today that uh, there are three parts here, therefore, to the day of the Lord, right? There's the great tribulation period. Um, there's the return of the Lord, and then there's the millennial kingdom, all part of the day of the Lord. Um, there are many, many references in Scripture to this, hundreds. <laughs> so we're certainly not going to look at them today. What I want to do today is just to select those that I think are just so incredibly powerful and encouraging, certainly to 
Jews that will read these these verses in, in their time, right? Um, during the tribulation, I think, will be the main time when these verses now become living and powerful for them, right? Because they're going to be saved uh, through these scriptures and through the appearance of the Lord directly when he returns. But these scriptures should be encouraging to us, and uh, they have been to me as I've done this preparation. And I pray that the uh, Holy Spirit will give you a special heart for these scriptures as we consider them today. Uh, they're such a blessing. Because if God's going to fulfill his promises to Israel, even after such a delay of thousands of years, right, uh, then will he not fulfill uh, everything he's promised for us? It should be a great encouragement for us, therefore, to read uh, these verses from the Holy Word of Truth. So I'm going to start out by reading the first verses, and then uh, we'll be asking you to read some others as we go along. First of all, and I've selected this because I, th I think it's it's a it's a not the only way to start today. But in Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 3, Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 3 verses very well known. In fact, uh, Handel's Messiah includes them. Uh, these are the words we find there. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her, her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's quite a switch there in context. First of all, Israel has been a, has had her, her uh, warfare accomplished, it says here. <laughs> her trials are over, as it were, right? But then immediately it switches to Messiah. He will appear in your midst, right? <laughs> the issue will be, will you receive him? And we know they did not, right? Except in small numbers. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, uh, highlights that specific promise with, with these words. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way, of the Lord, make his paths straight. Of course, this is a promise uh, concerning John the baptizer sent forth to announce and to reveal the presence of Israel's Messiah, our Lord Jesus. Well, uh, this brings the redemptive character of God's plan of the ages directly into focus because, of course, it's all going to be focused on our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, he would be in the midst of his own people. And as I said, we could start in many places, but I wanted to start there. But we could go way back. You don't have to go to the New Testament to read of this, even to Isaiah. You can go way back to the beginning. <laughs> uh, and uh, in fact, back to Moses. And so Patty, can you please read for us in Deuteronomy chapter 4, 
uh, where Moses uh, has this great promise uh, for his people. Chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shall be obedient unto his voice. Amen. Even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord, and shall be obedient unto his voice. You see, it's implied here that there will be a, a time, perhaps a long time, of great tribulation ahead for God's people Israel, right? And indeed there was. In Psalms 14, verse 7, we read of that. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Oh, what an amazing scripture this is. <laughs> ben, Ben, I, I selected for you one of the most amazing verses in all of the Bible. If you'd please read it for us uh, in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall one nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ben. So uh, there's going to be a, an incredible miracle. Uh, and uh, it says here that uh, a nation, a nation will be born in one day. <laughs> it's not going to take a long time for God to finish up the tribulation period and to establish Israel as a nation. In fact, the culmination of it will entirely happen within the space of one day. Uh, this, this image of uh, the woman uh, in travail, in birth pangs, bringing forth a child, is is very appropriate uh, because the suffering precedes the glory, as I've said before, right? And and that's the message of the Bible, and especially for Israel here, it's so clear. Uh, when Isaiah wrote these words, the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes were about to be taken off into captivity by the Assyrians, right? Uh, and the southern kingdom was already being told by Isaiah himself, even as prophet, that they also would be taken off into captivity uh, by the Babylonians. So uh, uh, while Isaiah is prophesying doom, trial, and tribulation upon Israel, he's also saying the end of this will be most blessed for his people indeed, right? So first the sufferings, then the glory. Now, we need to understand the purpose uh, of all of this. You know, what was the purpose and goal of this seven-year tribulation period? Uh, it had a purpose in the plan of God that we need to keep in mind. And uh, I think the most important aspect of that, uh, apart from, of course, 
you should never say the most and, and then leave our Lord out of it. But of course, the, the coming of the Lord and his uh, ultimate sacrifice is the most important of all, right? But, but for the nation of Israel, they are looking for the promises to be fulfilled. Remember, God had made promises uh, that go all the way back, really, uh, the promises of Messiah go back to Genesis chapter 3, right? But the promises relative to Israel and Israel's future go back to Abraham, right? So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, were given promises and covenants were made with them. Some of those covenants, unconditional covenants. Okay, so uh, it was prophesied that they would receive a land, that they'd be delivered from their enemies, they'd live in peace, right? Uh, their needs would be met, they'd be all healed, even the blind would be given sight, and the lame would leap for joy, and so forth, right? And all the nations would be subservient to them, right? Well, that was not something they were experiencing most of the time, nothing like that, right? But uh, that was promised. So when, the question is, when will God fulfill these promises? Well, in fact, generation after generation after generation died in faith, according to Hebrews 11.13. They died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Okay, so the time of, uh, of Israel's blessing requires, therefore, resurrection, right? Otherwise, God's promises come to nothing, right? So uh, God had made these promises about a nation, but he's made promises through, the, through uh, those prophets, those leaders, those uh, um, patriarchs of Israel, uh, to them and to their children, that will have to be fulfilled personally, right? So that's, that's a resurrection uh, that is implied there. And they died, therefore, with a resurrection hope. And so do we, of course. <laughs> we have received these precious promises as well for the future. And for all eternity, we will be enjoying the blessings of them. Uh, Peter writes about that, by the way. Uh, in fact, Peter writes, uh, I wish we had time right now to consider it. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. But in Second Peter, uh, he writes this. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, uh, yes, a thousand years may pass, uh, or two, or three, but uh, the Lord has his plan. He's the one that manages the clock, in other words, not us. Okay, so he's keeping his promises according to his plan, though we uh, find uh, it leads us into times of trial and tribulation and uh, suffering. First the suffering, then the glory, right? That's the way of the Lord. Okay, 
so that's sort of an overview that shows the purpose. God is preparing the people for his name, the people who will then inhabit the kingdom that he will establish on this earth and eventually bless the Gentiles, right? Israel's rising is the focus, not Israel's fall, in other words, uh, in prophecy. Uh, in the mystery revelation, it's the other way around. Israel's fall, uh, making a place for the Gentile rising. What a difference between prophecy and the mystery. Okay, now let's look at a few details. Uh, there are only a couple of scriptures we'll have time to read today, but, but one of the greatest is the one I've asked Linda to read, and that's in Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, verses 33 34, and then 42, 43, and 44. Linda, please read that for us. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out, will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the people, and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered, with a mighty hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for, for the which I lifted up mine hand to give it to your fathers. And there shall be remembered your ways, and all your doings, wherein ye have defiled, and ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have wrought you with, with you for my name's sake. Not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doing, O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord God. Amen. <laughs> what an incredible, uh, detailed presentation of exactly how God is going to work someday sovereignly in reference to his people Israel. They have done everything against him, and yet he is nevertheless going to bless them. Isn't that a marvelous thing? His mercy will be abundant. Patty, would you please read Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It's all about the same subject, but you see some details here that are important. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Amen, amen. I'm going to read now from Zephaniah. Zephaniah, called the minor prophet, because the length of his writing was short compared to Isaiah, for example, but not minor in the sense of the magnitude of his words and their meaning, right? Zephaniah chapter 1 Verses 14 and 15. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Indeed, but... Uh, 
that is not the end of the story because according to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8, we read, It shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. Just imagine what that day will be like when Israel in one day is delivered. So again, the principle is suffering first, and then the glory. Uh, and uh, our Lord, of course, made that very clear in Luke 24, where he's... he's uh, uh, with those disciples he's met on the road to Emmaus. And, and uh, he says, uh, it was appointed first the suffering, right? Speaking of himself, of course, as Israel's uh, savior, and uh, in fact, as himself as the lamb of God, right? Uh, first the suffering, and then, of course, the glorious resurrection and all that would follow. Okay, Linda, please read these two verses, and that will be uh, nearly uh, the last that we'll read today, uh, except for Lisa's verses. Linda, verses 11 and 18 in Joel chapter 2, please. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Okay. Well, uh, <clears throat> this day is a great day indeed, a great time of trial, a great time of tribulation. But that will not be the end of the story. Right, Lisa? Please read from <laughs> for us from Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 4 through 7. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child? Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, and, a, and as a woman in tra, as in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness? Alas! For that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. So the time of trial and tribulation is great. It is even the, t the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Well, it's now, uh, what, ne nearly 2,500 years uh, since those words were written, uh, if I've calculated correctly. Uh, and he hasn't yet been saved out of it, but God's promise stands, and God is faithful. He is almighty. Nothing can prevent him from carrying out his perfect plan 
for his people. But again, first the suffering and then the glory. Uh, in Matthew 24, our Lord's words are recorded regarding that day. And he says there, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. <laughs> they shall be shortened for the elect's sake. What a blessing to read his word. I, I hope and pray that these words have meant so much to you that they, as they meant to me, uh, to see that the Lord's plan is far beyond our understanding. I mean, in our minds and and the way we would think, we would think, well, God would just bless his people, and that's all, right? There would never be any times of trial or tribulation uh, brought uh, to, to his people, but only blessings. But his plan is different from ours. If only we could be drawn into it and understand it better, right? Uh, and, and, and know that Israel is an example, uh, an example not only of the righteousness of God, but of his sovereign plan of blessing for his people. Notice through all these scriptures, it is the Lord God who is sovereign. He says, and they will hear my voice and believe. Why? Well, because God is working in a mighty, mighty way in their midst. They will have no choice. This is uh, the elective plan of God, of course, which uh, is so clearly revealed throughout the entire Bible. So, indeed, today our blessings are flowing according to the abundance of his grace. Israel has still fallen. It is not yet rising, but it will rise again after we are caught up out of this world. And so praise God for his abundant grace today. Uh, the law has been set aside. It's no longer our teacher or schoolmaster. Grace has taken its place. And may we be receptive to that and to its fullness. God had a plan for Israel, but they turned away and would not receive it. And so they're set aside as a result. But God made a way through their blindness to draw us to himself in an amazing way. So praise the Lord. God's, God's salvation through our Lord Jesus is uh, abundantly clear today. The gospel is preached. We even receive that those here who know him have uh, come by way of the cross, right? and receive this incredible blessing. May we go forth to others and be bold to share with them. So, amen and amen. Any comments before we close today uh, or questions? Please. Yeah, um, Mr. Squall, I have a quick question. It's not related to the study, but it's regarding Acts 15, I believe. Yes. Uh, so... <clears throat> When the apostles told Paul that um, 
they want him to abstain from blood and the people with Paul, is that still in effect today or is that no longer in effect? It's no longer in effect. The reason, the reason is, is that God is no longer reaching out to Israel as a nation. Uh, at that time, there were still those that had believed the gospel of the kingdom. They were alive. God was still dealing with them as such. They were not brought into the body of Christ. And so it was for a testimony to Israel uh, that they were to abstain from those things as law, as Moses' law required, right? Uh, for the same reason, Paul said to the to the Jews first and then to the Greeks. I mean, uh, there were obligations still to Israel uh, at that time. But when Israel was set aside uh, entirely, and that would be at Acts twenty eight twenty eight, right when Paul had reached the uh, end of the Roman Empire there, in fact, the capital of the Roman Empire, and he made that famous statement there after the Jews there. Uh, that had met him in Rome uh, after they uh, refused to believe the truth, right? Uh, they were then permanently set aside. The last branch, as it were, was broken off, according to that uh, analogy there in Romans 11 of the uh, olive tree, right? You remember that. So, no, uh, those legal restrictions, I would say, can't apply today because... The Israel today is as as Gentiles. Uh, there's no uh, special covenant applying. They're being preserved uh, for God's future purpose. But uh, today we're all Gentiles and we all uh, will be saved and can only be saved in exactly the same way. So does that help? That does. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Ben. Okay, any other questions or comments before we close today in prayer? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we're humbled to consider what's written here, that blindness in part has happened to Israel in order that your great plan for the Gentile church might be accomplished and that your grace might be unbounded and not limited by covenants uh, that were restricted and set aside your people as separate from the rest of the world's people. Father, thank you that today we're all the same uh, and we come to you in the same way entirely on the basis of grace through faith, based on the finished work of Christ uh, and his glorious resurrection. Uh, and uh, within the body, there is no such thing as a Jew or a Greek or a male or female. We're all one in our Lord Jesus Christ. But, Father, we know that day will, will end, and perhaps today, perhaps today or soon, we'll all be caught up into uh, your presence by the coming of our Lord Jesus for us, meeting us in the air, and then our our hope, our heavenly hope, being fulfilled as he takes us into your presence uh, there in the third heaven. So, Father, we look forward to that day, and uh, what a blessing it is to consider it. Such hope we have, uh, therefore, because of this precious word, 
And thank you, Father, for blessing us today with this word as well concerning your people, Israel. Indeed, their hope has not yet been fulfilled, but it shall be according to your precious promise. So, Father, we thank you and praise you and continue to remind us of this precious truth as we go forth now to be a light uh, to those around us and a blessing to all you bring our way. So, Father, we would thank you and praise you. Please uh, give us um, victory uh, in our trials. And may we never for a moment doubt the truth of your word and your precious promise to us. And we would give you praise in Christ's name.